It's Patricia, recording this in a very spring-like Zurich. I've been out and about on my bike in the woods. And the bird song was absolutely glorious. Hope it's lovely where you are. I wanted to share something with you and get your thoughts and feedback. I've been reading up on Busson for a project that I hope to do with Alison Whipple and the Culinary Sajiki podcast. And it's got me thinking about translations. I could really do with a bit of feedback from you while I formulate my thoughts on the matter. And I have one haiku that I want to bring you in a variety of forms. All the links will be in the show notes, of course. And then I have some questions, and perhaps you will have some more for me. Do listen to the end and send me your emails. I'm going to be talking about this first translation in more detail in the next Haiku P podcast with Keith Everts. He's going to be presenting on Toriyawaza. He's probably going to tell me off for pronouncing that wrong. So this is the haiku I want to use in today's podcast. It's by Busan. The first one is translated by Persinger. Under young leaves, white water, yellow barley. Under young leaves, white water, yellow barley. And I don't know about you, but I wonder at the sense of that first line, under young leaves, in connection with the second. Although if I think of a river very close to my favourite place in the mountains, young green leaves would be growing so close to the water's edge that the white river water could be described as under. But I have to say, that word under bothers me a little. The next translation is by Robert Haas. It does have the benefit of being very short, so I have no problem remembering it. Green leaves, white water, the barley yellowing. Green leaves, white water, the barley yellowing. It's a very minimalist translation, isn't it? And on first reading, I wondered if it were a little too short, but it does manage to convey the transition between the seasons. That movement from spring and the young leaves to the yellowing barley, ready to harvest in summer. And so, on to Blythe. Young leaves come out, water is white, barley yellowing. Young leaves come out, water is white, barley yellowing. Now, you're going to have to forgive me for saying this about a piece translated by a much revered member of our haiku history, but does it tell too much, or is it just me? And this last one, by Ueda. Beyond young leaves, the water glimmers in white, the wheat in yellow. Beyond young leaves, the water glimmers in white, the wheat in yellow. I do like the sounds in that one, don't you? This was one of my favourite of the translations on a first run-through. But now I'm questioning myself. The water glimmers. Is that a little too poetic in Western terms? I'm heading towards the Hass translation as my favourite. Green leaves, white water, 
the barley yellowing. Green leaves, white water, the barley yellowing. So now, having read the same poem translated by a number of different people, I've got questions. If you don't speak the language yourself, how do you judge the translation? Or do you just go with a translation that speaks to you? Will the translator get the small nuances in the language they're translating and then be able to translate them successfully into a second language? I know from my own experience that that can be difficult. I mean, even going from UK to US English, we have some difficulties understanding one another, don't we? I give you chips. I personally like mine with a nice bit of battered cod and salt and vinegar. So how do you learn the essence of haiku, or hoku, of the masters, when you have so many different translations? They're often influenced by the person who's translating it and the haiku of their time. So you have Robert Haas with a very minimalist translation, influenced by the style being used in English language haiku in 1994, when his book was written. He's a poet, but I can't find any information on whether he is fluent in Japanese. Blythe, on the other hand, has a very different style. His translation comes from the late 1940s. We know him as an academic. We know that he's well-versed in Japanese and the haiku form. But we don't have many poems available to us today to judge his poetry. Which got me thinking, do poets make better translators? What do you think? I'm going to have to think more about that and come back to it at a later date. And how do you translate a poem? In the style of the original poet's time and country? Or in the style of the audience and the time that you're translating it for? With these Busan translations, I think we've been seeing haiku translated to fit the norms of English language haiku of the time in which they're being translated. So I've got another example for you. It's Busan again. The first one translated by Edward McFadden. Hidden among the leaves of the melon patch, find yourself a pillow. Hidden among the leaves of the melon patch, Find yourself a pillow. Versus this one, which was translated by Kemyo Taira Sato in a book by himself and John White. All the details will be in the show notes. You can go there and perhaps follow up on the translations yourself. Now, McFadden's version is a form that we'd recognise as a more contemporary English-language haiku, translated by someone who is possibly more fluent in English. It has a sound and a rhythm that, as English-language poets, I think we'll feel more comfortable with, whilst the second is translated by Sato in the 575 form. And that form really isn't prevalent in English-language haiku today, is it? In my initial thinking about translations and how we can learn from them, a few things occurred to me. Perhaps we should compare 
and contrast as many translations as we can find. And between all of them, perhaps we'll get the essence of the poem. The poems should have common features, so it should be possible to come to some conclusions about the meaning and the thoughts of the original poet. At least I hope so. However, it can be that you have translations which give you a slightly different meaning, which I think these last two did. What do you think? The words find and pick give a slightly different meaning to the last lines, don't they? Is this me being a little bit picky, perhaps? Does it matter to you? Do you know, the more I look at these things, the more questions I have. So at the moment, I don't have any conclusions. Just more questions. And I'm going to pass that over to you now. Can you help me answer my questions? Do you have other questions? Do you have a favourite translator of the haiku or hoku classics? And if you do, why does that translator work for you? So I'm going to leave that here. I'll definitely come back to this thorny question of translations. But perhaps with your help, I'll come to some wonderful and profound conclusions. So no pressure on you then. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Do email them to me. Until next time, keep writing. There will be some links in the show notes. Do let me know if something is missing. Ciao.